the Game Changer Real Estate Podcast, where we help agents get their first five deals. Well, hello there. This is Jennifer Henry, and I am the host of the Game Changer Real Estate Podcast. And today you get to hear from me, just me. I've been doing a ton of interviews and hearing from all these amazing people. And then today I want to just talk to you myself because I have something I want to share with you. I want to talk to you today about the cost, the actual cost of not being a trained agent. Okay. I also want to tell you a very dramatic story about the buyers that made me quit real estate. So I'm going to just kick off with this little story here. Their names for this episode, we're going to call them Mark and Joanne. Mark and Joanne were a referral from a Relo company. Oh, I was so excited, you guys. This, by the way, happened many years ago, many, many years ago, five or so years into my career. And I was at a brokerage that I I did not have the community around me that I needed. I did not have the training I needed. I'm just going to go ahead and start off by saying that. I didn't know that I needed those things. So I didn't know to even ask or look for them. It wasn't until I had those things that I went, oh, I never had those before. <laughs> and there, there is the beauty of hindsight, right? That is the value of hindsight. But nonetheless, I was at a brokerage with a bunch of older people who were very seasoned and really not that helpful, not very collaborative. But again, I didn't even know that was something I would need. But I was at a brokerage that offered relocation leads. And for those listening, if you've ever gotten a relo lead, they're a very high, very high referral fee. In fact, this one lead that I got was a 40% referral fee. That is a lot. And then mind you, I was on a pretty high split with my brokerage because I was a newer, untrained agent and I hadn't really sold a lot of houses. So I had never really advanced in that commission structure. So I was probably at a 40 or 50% split still many years into my career because I just hadn't sold enough houses. So let's just start right there. I was already splitting my commission one way with my brokerage at a very high split because of my lack of training. And again, I'm not here to talk about splits. I think there's value in in having high splits in the beginning because you need a lot in the beginning and it costs a lot to have you in the beginning. This isn't about splits, but I am saying that being untrained and not advancing through the commission structure if if your brokerage has one, right there, costing you money. Secondarily, taking business like Relo business, 40% referral fee, Tons of money. If I had had so many buyers and sellers that I didn't have time for reload business, I wouldn't have had to take that. But I took it, not knowing, being uneducated, not realizing anything about profit or bottom lines or profit margins or business expenses or the cost of sale. No, nah, no, nah, didn't know any of that. So I took it, took a reload lead. These people were relocating from the north to Jacksonville for work. They were in their mid-50s, Mark and Joanne. So already, I'm out money because I'm taking business that has a very steep referral fee. Now, I also don't want to dog out referral fees. I love referral fees. I just, you, as, a, as a business owner, if you're going to build a business on real or referral fees, you have to recognize it's going to reduce your bottom line. You better have a way to compensate for that because you're going to be doing the same amount of work for the deal Regardless, it's just costing you a whole lot more. So agents that are at a brokerage because they're getting reload leads, just remember, it is costing you money. 
You can go get your own leads. You can work with people on your own without having to do that. Okay, I digress. Let me get back. Mark and Joanne. I meet Mark and Joanne. I do not do a buyer consultation. I just meet them. And I did get a pre-approval. Their, their lender gave me a pre-approval. Okay, great. They seem to be well qualified. They want a three or $400,000 house. That's a really great price point back then. I start showing them houses. I just jump in my car with these folks. Never asked for them to work with me. Never asked for their loyalty. Never set one stinking expectation. I put them in my car and I start showing houses. But I got a pre-approval. Yay me. Okay, well, that's all I was trained to do is make sure you get a pre-approval. I did that. Okay, good. Here we go. I'm showing them houses for a couple weeks. They're nice. They're pleasant. They're quirky. I can do it. I show them houses. We find one they really like. We write an offer. Seems really easy. Seems great. Awesome. We get to the inspections. We do the inspection, and these people become somebody different. They are angry. They're upset. They're just flabbergasted at this inspection report, which I'm reading it going, looks like a normal house to me with some stuff wrong. I mean, it's like a 15-year-old house. What do you expect? I mean, that's what I'm thinking. But these people just, oh, they just start making their demands. They want all these things fixed. This is like, because I'm an untrained agent, I really haven't exposed myself to a lot of this. I'm shocked. I mean, these really nice people turn out to be kind of buttheads about this home inspection. And I'm, I'm shocked about it. But, you know, as their agent, I have to, you know, represent their needs and their wants and their desires. So, of course, I go to the listing agent. I don't try to talk them off the ledge. I don't try to coach them through it. I go straight to the listing agent, ask for everything they want. And as the story goes, the listing agent said no. The list, the agent, the seller said no. And the buyers dug in their heels and the deal died. That's really the first time that had happened to me where we just killed a deal because we couldn't come together on dumb inspection items. By the way, guys, there was nothing major wrong with this house. All right, here we go. So we're a couple weeks into this deal. I'm a little frustrated. I'm kind of like, wow, that happened. Okay. So we go out and we start looking and look and look and look and look. And we spend weekends and we spend evenings, time away from my family, showing, showing, showing houses. (laughs) Weeks go by before we find another house. We find one. Okay, great. Write another offer, get it accepted. Home inspection comes around. I'm a little gun shy. I'm like, okay, I hope that they don't freak out. I hope that they don't ask for too much. Well, this time they didn't ask for too much. They just dug their heels in. They got really obsessed with the stucco on this house. The stucco had a lot of cracks. And if you are not from Florida, you know that stucco is is a material that we use that it's kind of kind of sometimes a big pain in the butt because it cracks. And if the cracks are of a certain width, that there can be water intrusion. It can cause all kinds of issues. So there were stucco cracks on the chimney, on the outside of the chimney of this house. And they really got obsessed with this stucco. And of course, they were from the north. They didn't know stucco. The home inspector made it a way bigger deal than it needed to be. They start freaking out about the stucco. I'm starting to get nervous again, like, oh, here we go again. And lo and behold, you know, they ask for the entire stucco on the whole house to get replaced. And I'm looking at it going, what? We can't ask for all the stucco to be replaced. So I did have the wherewithal to say, hey, guys, hold on, hold on. Why don't we get a specialist to come out here and tell us if the stucco cracking on this chimney is really that big of a deal enough to have to replace the whole house? So I did. I went and got a professional, they agreed to it and we looked at it and he said, you know what, this is some normal cracking. If you just replace the stucco or patch it on the chimney, you're probably fine. There's no water intrusion behind it. You're fine. 
I tell the buyers this, they're like, no, nope. Even the professional couldn't persuade them. So I went to the listing agent and said, we need the stucco replaced on the house. And the listing agent was like, no. When the buyers, when the listing, the seller said no, the buyer said, okay, then take off a huge chunk off the price. I want to say it was like $10,000 off the price of the house. When the seller said no, the buyers killed the deal again. I couldn't even believe this was happening. Months have been, have gone by now. At least, at least six weeks has gone by now and they killed the second deal. So now I'm starting to kind of hate these people. I ain't going to lie. My kids know them. We talk about them. My kids make fun of them because they, I come home every day complaining about them. And my kids start going, are you going out today with Mark and Joanne, mom? Because they know that, <laughs> that these people are really challenging. So as the story goes, I continue to show them property against my better judgment. Because in my heart of hearts, I knew I should fire these people. But guys, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. I've already spent weeks and weeks and weeks with these people, tons of energy, tons of time. And here's where the next point I need to make about how much this has cost me comes in. Because in the time that I'm spending with these difficult buyers, I am not spending time with any other buyers or any other sellers. So it costs me money because I don't, have the wherewithal and the personal fortitude and the bandwidth to go out and find new buyers and sellers. All my eggs are in this one basket. I have to see this through. Now I'm committed to these people because I have nobody else. And if I don't, then I have to admit that I've spent months working with someone for zero money. So I stick with them. And we look for many more weeks until we find another house. And we found this one. And guys, I got through the inspections on this one. I think maybe they had wisened up too. Maybe they didn't want to kill it. Maybe they were tired too. Who knows? Point is, we got through the inspections on this house. I took a deep breath and thought, oh, thank the Lord we made it through the inspections. Until one week before closing, when their lender throws up a red flag about their financing and says this situation with their income is not going to work as he's doing digger deeping he real digger, deeper digging I'm sorry he realizes that it's not going to work and that they may not be able to get financing so at that point they confide in me about something they're going to do and at the, to this day I don't recall the details of this however they do tell me that they're going to lie. Essentially, they they tell me they're going to commit mortgage fraud, and they don't say it in those words. All right, hear hear me out. But they do say, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna tell them this, and we're gonna do this." They tell me this. Now, guys, I have an obligation at this point, and I was so torn. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I called their lender and told their lender what they were going to do and what they had told me because I felt like that was going to come haunt me for the rest of my life. Mortgage fraud is not something I want to mess around with. I told them that it was illegal what they were going to do and that they needed to tell their lender and they wouldn't, so I did. Whether I did the right thing or not, I don't know. All I know is they were furious, as you can imagine. Now, the lender, with that knowledge, was able to figure it out. He he moved forward. He 
got it straight with them. I don't know actually how they ended up working it out because they were not speaking to me anymore. All I know is the lender said, I'm working it out. We don't have to go that route. We're going to be fine. But they were furious at me for not lying with them or for for not getting behind their mortgage fraud. They were so furious with me that they wouldn't speak to me. So the only thing that I could do the week or two before closing was send an email and say, at this point, we it is what it is. I will see you guys at closing. We're done communicating because clearly you guys are not, they weren't answering my questions. They weren't, they weren't responding. So I just said, all right, well, then I will see you at closing. I, there's nothing more for me to do here. I go to the closing. And this is where the knife really, really started hurting in my back. They would not allow me into the closing room. When I got to that title company to do the closing, they said they didn't want me in there. So they went into that closing and they signed all their paperwork. And I sat out in the lobby. And when they walked through the lobby to walk out the door, they did not speak to me. They walked straight past me and never said another word to me. And I knew I had done the right thing. I knew I, I knew I hadn't done anything wrong, but it was still so painful to have spent all this time with these buyers for them to just behave like I had done something wrong after I'd given them my lifeblood for three months or however long it had been at this point, three contracts later. I collected my pittance of a check because remember, it's split 500 different ways and I'm walking away with just pennies. Get in my car, put the check on my seat, and I just remember looking at it thinking, all of that work for that? Months of work for that. And if you divide it out by the hour, I'm making minimum wage at this point. I drive home, and in that drive home from Ponte Vedra to Jacksonville, I basically decide to quit. I'm like, this is not worth it. I'm furious. All of my thoughts got a hold of me. All of my feelings took me over. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. I hate real estate. I came home. I went into my closet. I started taking off my closing suit that I had so purposefully put on, put on my regular day clothes. And I just felt my body just collapse. And I found myself hugging my knees on my closet floor. And I cried. And I cried because I felt like such a massive failure. I convinced myself that I was not good at this, that real estate was awful, that buyers and sellers were terrible, that this was not worth it, and I'm out. And the next day, I deactivated my real estate license. I went to my brokerage, went to referral status. Actually, I didn't deactivate it, but I basically said I'd give it up. I put my license in referral for for two years, y'all, <laughs> two years, two years I licked my wounds, two years I felt like a failure, two years I tried other things, I did everything that I could to overcome that. And I won't go into the rest of the story, but just to recap where it goes from there, I ended up joining a company where I was able to get training and support, and in and in that started developing myself and devoting myself to personal development. There was a lot of adversity that brought me to that point. Mark and Joanne were just the catalyst to that. They were the catalyst for the beginning of the new me that had to emerge to become somebody that I needed to be to be a good leader in a real estate transaction. 
And the moral of the story is this. I can tell this story as if I'm a victim to some bad buyers, or I can tell the story about how I am victorious and how I can say that the me today, many years later, after much self-work, after much coaching and training, can tell you that a very big portion of that demise of that transaction was me. Mike, Mark and Joanne were, were terrible buyers, okay? They were. They were not good people, but I wasn't who I needed to be to lead them to be better people, or at the very least, fire them when I saw the first red flag before I got too invested. So listen, you will rise, your business will rise to the level of personal development that you have, that you have made a habit. I didn't have the personal development to support that kind of transaction. So now I devote myself to it. I study, I learn, I surround myself with people who are growing. I am always trying to grow. In fact, I've recently hit a personal ceiling and I've realized I have to start growing again to be able to even encompass the new level of business that comes to me. Because here's the deal. If your personal development is not advanced enough for the business that you want, you'll get the business and you'll kill it at the same time, which is exactly what I did with Mark and Joanne. I couldn't handle it. I didn't know. Now, Jennifer today would have done a buyer consultation, set the right expectations, told them what to expect in a home inspection. And when it started going sideways, I would have reeled them in so much faster. And if they didn't like it, they would have fired me sooner. I would have fired them sooner, and I would have saved myself the headache and agony of that. But I didn't. I was an untrained agent who didn't know what I was doing, and it's so very expensive. Training will cost you money, whether you spend it intentionally or on coaching and training or whether you get it through the hard knocks of a real estate transaction, it will cost you. It cost me in future business that I did not go get because I was so wrapped up in these horrible buyers. It cost me in taking business I never should have taken in the beginning. It cost me because I'm at a brokerage where I can't seem to break through the compensation plan to get to a point where I was making more money. It cost me in that I quit for two years and gave up two years of my real estate career to go lick my wounds and get a real job to only come back later because God has a sense of humor and says, no, girl, (laughs) you're going to learn it the right way. I'm so thankful for that experience because it did bring me back to a place where I was able to see with hindsight what I had done wrong and how I could have done it better. Again, I don't take full responsibility for the demise of those people being just jerks and being liars and fraudulent, but I do take responsibility for not handling myself the way that I should, not leading them to a place where they could make better decisions or choose to not work with me. I didn't do that, and I would do that very differently now. So as you're listening here today, I hope that you'll take this away and apply it and learn that Adversity in real estate is just a, it's just a red flag for you to say, hey, what do I need to learn here? What about me is lacking in this situation? Is it leadership? Is it setting the right expectations? Is it skills? Is it some training I need to learn about? Like things I need to, to develop myself in? What is it? Don't the red flags are in you. And when you see red flags in others, you you know how to handle it better when you've leveled yourself up personally in the development of you. I hope this has inspired you 
to, to learn how to be a better you every single day by waking up and saying, who does my business need me to be today? When you're faced with a difficult buyer or a difficult seller, who does this buyer need me to be? Who does this seller need me to be? And then be that person, the leader they need, the effective communicator that they need, the the problem solver that they need. In fact, when buyers and sellers are coming to you complaining about their problems, how powerful is it to say, who do you need me to be right now for you? I find that that diffuses so much victimhood when you own your part in the in the role of the transaction in the role of a personal relationship with someone else in life when you are constantly seeking how you can improve so may this stick with you you're not a bad agent real estate's not bad buyers and sellers are not bad we just need to grow ourselves we need to grow our business to expand through our own personal development. May you learn about you today. May you be better. May you look at every adversity that you have as a challenge to grow you. This is the beauty of our humanity. This is the beauty of our humanity inside of business. And this is truly what I love the most about business, the opportunity to become better. Have an amazing day, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out our library of great resources for you at GameChangerRealty.com.